Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the latest edition of The Pump Fake. I'm Jarrett Bailey, joined today by my colleague at USA Today, editor for Ravens Wire, and the host of Locked on Ravens. It's Kevin Ostriker. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Jared. I appreciate you having me on here. And yeah, I've got a big Super Bowl matchup coming up between the Chiefs and the Eagles. But I know for me covering the Ravens, it's a, a lot of questions, offensive coordinator. And of course, the big one is Lamar Jackson. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on the Super Bowl um, at, at some point uh, before we before we get out of here today. I did. I'm glad that you brought up the offensive coordinator thing, though, because that is somehow like the fifth most talked about thing in Baltimore right now, <laughs> where uh, all the attention obviously is on the uh, Lamar Jackson ongoing saga, whether or not a deal will get done, whether he'll get franchise tagged. Um, I said about maybe a month ago that what happens with Greg Roman would be very telling of what could happen with Lamar Jackson. What did you take uh, moving on from Roman uh, to mean for Lamar Jackson's future uh, in Baltimore? Because you could kind of take it both ways where, you know, it was like, oh, okay, they're moving on from Greg Roman. He kind of tailored that offense around Lamar Jackson. That could mean that Lamar could also be on the way out and they're starting a new, or you could view it as the offense wasn't working anymore. They couldn't really get any uh, weapons, not named Mark Andrews uh, for Lamar to throw to. He'll have insight on who they hire next. What is uh, What was your takeaway from everything? Yeah, I think it was needed, a change for both sides. Things had just really gone stale. And I think what we saw was he came in in 2019, the Ravens, that it was historic that year. They went 14-2, yeah. and two, best rushing offense in history, and even they were a top-10 pass offense that year too. But the issue is that after that, there wasn't enough growth year to year where you, you saw some flashes of, of electricity, but things just became the passing concepts became a bit too stale where guys were running into each other and in the same quarter of the field, same half of the field, and there wasn't enough in the past game. And we heard Mark Andrews, you know, during media week here for Super Bowl week talking about how that he hopes that this next offensive coordinator kind of squashes the narrative that wide receivers in Baltimore aren't like the place to go. It's not a place to go if you're a wide receiver, which has been kind of the narrative over the past however many years it's been. So for what the Ravens have right now, the it's the opportunity to kind of start fresh. And it's not like they have to tear everything down and start from square one. They can still keep because the rushing offense was still really good. So they can keep some of those concepts from Greg Roman, John Harbaugh, and Eric DeCosta said as such during their end of season press conference. John Harbaugh even said he might keep some of the past concepts too. So how many of those we see? <laughs> I, I don't I don't know, but for what Baltimore has now, there are a bunch of interview candidates, a bunch of guys who have interviewed and have also gotten second interviews. I know that the news coming out recently here is that Eric Bieniemy is still a prime candidate for that job. I think that'd be one of my top choices. There's, there's a lot, of, I guess, I guess controversy surrounding how much of that offense is his, how much of it is Andy Reid, how much of it is Patrick Mahomes. But for what the Ravens have right now, they have opportunities. And the guys that they're interviewing, they're like quarterback coaches, pass game coordinators. So it feels like they do want to go in that direction, maybe keep some of the run concepts and, and stuff they've already established in that Greg Roman era and add that to a new, maybe young, bright, innovative offensive mind. So I think at the end of the day, if Lamar Jackson does come back, and that's the question, if he does come back, it's it's a, it'll be a good thing for him in the offense. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. They uh, did they interview Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson for for the job? Um, Not yet. No. No. Okay. Because I was going to say that if there's any sort of you know blueprint to take from a guy with that dual threat ability, I mean the Eagles have done it very well with very simple uh, passing schemes and whatnot. So 
Um, that would be a name to watch for. Um, Eric Bieniemy, though, um, that would be definitely uh, you know early on in their careers there was you know the ongoing battle between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, you know, it, and we thought that was going to be you know kind of the marquee matchup in the AFC for the next decade. Obviously, you know, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow have added their names to to that as well. Um, you said that that would be your, is, would he be your kind of candidate of choice or is there somebody else that's in the mix that, that you would like to see as well? I think that if I, if I had a top, top choice, Ben would probably be that. I think being able to take over what he's done in Kansas city. And again, for him, th- there've been so many questions about why would he take a lateral move in this situation? He's more than qualified to be a head coach, in my opinion, based off everything he's done, but it's all about for him getting out of Andy Reid's shadow in having an offense that is his own, where there is no questions about how much of the play calling is his, how much of it is the head coaches. If he comes to, whether it is Baltimore, I know the commanders or another team that I think are in the running for his services right now, it would be his offense. And I think that is the step that he would need to propel his career to a head coaching opportunity. So he's on a bunch of one-year contracts. So after this year, after the Super Bowl, his contract expires, he has free reign to do what he wants with, with his future. So I think for me, I think the enemy is probably number one. I also think Todd Munkin's very intriguing, had a couple of stints as an offensive coordinator at three years with Tampa, a year with Cleveland. He's now the quarterback's guy, offensive coordinator over at Georgia with Stenson Bennett and, the, and that whole crew. And then I think I Dave Canales is someone else, Seattle's quarterback's coach, who worked with Russell Wilson extensively before yeah. he went to Denver, and that's key before he went to Denver. <laughs> and then you also have the Geno Smith reclamation project, who, you know, everybody's talking about Geno Smith. Like, what are you talking about? It's just a, another journeyman guy. Geno Smith turned into one of the best quarterbacks in the league last year. So he's like probably – option number three for me. So probably be enemy Munkin and, and Dave Canales are the three I'm looking at. Looking at the list of unrestricted free agents for the Ravens this coming season. I mean, there's some key names here. Marcus Peters, Justin Houston, Kyle Fuller, Lamar Jackson, obviously, uh, Jawan James, uh, Jason Pierre, Paul, um, Josh Oliver. Like these are, these are key guys on either side of the ball um, that they'll have to decide on whom they're going to bring back. Um, What's the uh, you're more in tune with the Ravens than I? What's kind of the uh, the talking point about Marcus Peters? Uh, is, is, are they going to let him walk? Are they going to bring him back? Um, is it up in the air? I mean, if you had a guess, is he going to be back next year? Yeah, so Peters is an interesting one. He was someone who was one of the many who suffered a serious injury during that brutal 2021 season. So Just many absurd. <laughs> Like we talk about injury bugs biting teams, and usually it happens to like one or two every year. The right. fact that they, the amount of guys that they lost in the span of time they lost this, it was ungodly. Well, and it's so crazy because it, it all happened. Well, not all because it was a continuous thing, but three guys going down in a span of like 10 days before the, the <laughs> Monday night opener, they played Las right. Vegas, and it was the opening to their new stadium. They lost. Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters in the same practice. I mean, yeah. two two torn ACLs, and then Dobbins tore his ACL in the final preseason game. But for Peters, you know, with all those guys, with all those injuries, there was always a chance that one of them or two of them weren't going to come back at full strength and then just take more time to get back or maybe even look like shell themselves. Marcus Peters was that guy. I think Dobbins looked great. Edwards looked good. Ronnie Stanley, who had been out, you know, he got injured in that Pittsburgh game in 2020. He came back just this year. He looked good too. But Marcus Peters was the one where it was kind of an up and down season. Didn't look like the Marcus Peters that I think so many people are used to seeing. So for him hitting on a trick for agency, Baltimore, I don't think is going to offer him. And I don't even think they can really, they don't have the bounds right now to offer him like a 10 million plus 
per year contract. I think this could go the way of a, if he, if he's willing to take a team friendly deal and come back, maybe two years, 10 million, two years, 12 million. I think that's the Avenue. But if there's, if there's interest in Peters around the league and he's able to get, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11 million dollars annually, I think Baltimore might have to bow out in that situation. And cornerback's a huge concern for them right now. Marlon Humphrey's Marlon Humphrey. You don't have to worry about him. One of the best in the league. He's, he's the guy, but outside of that, it's Peters, it's Brandon Stevens, it's Jalen Armour Davis, it's Pepe Williams. They don't have a lot there. They relied on Daryl Worley a ton, and they moved Kyle Hamilton actually into more of a slot role, so he was playing there a lot. So I think Peters, it, it's the way of like the Jimmy Smith role that they had Jimmy Smith play for the last couple of years of his career, where he comes in, he's like the number two slash three corner, and then maybe they go out and get a Joey Porter Jr. in the draft or Clark Phillips and one of those guys. They're going to have to address that position in the offseason. Peters has said, you know, Baltimore has, has – reignited his love for football he loves the organization so maybe there is that willingness to take a team-friendly deal but if he finds money elsewhere i think that baltimore might just let him walk it would be the most ravens thing in the world as a steelers fan who would love to see pittsburgh get joey porter jr if baltimore is the team that ends up with him um so that's my thing too if, if he if joey porter has to walk around in ravens gear going to ravens games to watch his son i mean how crazy would that be <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that would I don't want it. I don't want it, Kevin. Bring bring uh bring the second generation son home. Um yeah, I mean Peter's gonna be 30 this year. Um I, I thought he was older than that. It feels like he's been in the league forever. Um so is cornerback gonna be kind of the focal point of the draft for them in the first round, do you think? Um, because like you said. Uh, they're they're thin behind Marlon Humphrey. You know, a couple years ago when they lost everybody in the secondary and had the league's worst pass defense, getting all those guys back, you know, we thought we would see a step forward taken. Um, so is cornerback, do you think, going to be uh, the focus for them come April? For me, for me, it would be. And I think there are two positions you really look at. I think it's corner and wide receiver. Those are the mm-hmm. two where it could go either way in terms of what they choose to address where. So for me, my ideal offseason for what the Ravens should do is I think this is the time for them, especially if Lamar comes back and maybe even if he doesn't to go out there and get that true number one guy, you know, like we've seen the Eagles do with Jalen hurts in the, 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 I know everybody does the Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. And then you have Deandre Hopkins getting traded in Arizona. They even get Marquise Brown too. So it's a lot of people have been clamoring for, go out there and trade for that number one guy for Lamar to put next to Rashad Bateman, to put next to Mark Andrews and kind of have that focal point of your wide receiver room where I think Bateman still has wide receiver one potential, but to have him as like that one, a one B, you know, high end two guy, I think that's a real asset to you. So to me personally, I think my top target wide receiver wise is Deandre Hopkins and for agency or through a trade where, you know, he would get, I think his base salary is like 19 million this year. And this all depends on Lamar. If the Ravens franchise Lamar, it's a whole different conversation because that's a one year fully guaranteed deal instead of an extension where, you know, I've talked about a Lamar stats, like mind numbing. I've talked about it so much over the course of these last, like it's really a couple of years. I'm still shocked. He doesn't have a deal, but regardless, if they go that route wide receiver wise, they don't have a second round pick this year because of the Roquan Smith trade. Sure. So it's, it's important for them to, if they stay at 22, which I think it's a prime trade out spot. If you can get 29 in a second round pick or 30 in a second round pick for 22, I probably do it if I'm the Ravens. So it's flip flop. You know, if you want to go out there and sign a number two corner and then you draft a Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith and Jigba or one of those guys, I think that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. But I think for me, 
a veteran wide receiver, a, a number one veteran guy who's been in the league, who has done his thing, is my ideal choice. So I think if it's DeAndre Hopkins and Joey Porter Jr., you can sign me up for that for Baltimore 10 times out of 10. Yeah, I'm glad that you said DeAndre Hopkins. That's the name that first came to mind whenever, you know, we we're talking about trade trade prospects and whatnot. And obviously, the new regime in Arizona, there's been rumors that they're looking to move off him and the money that they owe him. Um, I think that would be a prime target for Baltimore. Um, I think that another name that could fly under the radar is one of either Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, depending on what Tampa Bay does with their quarterback situation. Um, if they still see themselves as, you know, just a few pieces away and, you know, getting a healthy offensive line and getting one of these veteran quarterbacks, then maybe both of them stay. But if they're going like rookie quarterback, kind of like new era of Buccaneers, I would be very, I would, I would key in on, on, on seeing if, uh, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin does become available. Uh, there's, there was thoughts that Chris Godwin was going to leave after Tom Brady retired and then Brady unretires. And then he comes back on, I believe it was a two year deal. Um, so there, uh, there's definitely going to be guys out there, obviously T Higgins, but they're not going to trade him within the division. So we can kind of scratch T Higgins name off if he does indeed become available. Um, yeah. Baltimore has been, I remember a few years ago, whenever it was like, okay, maybe they'll get Kenny Galladay. Ah, oh, he went to the giants, which in retrospect is probably a good thing. Uh, maybe they'll get Juju Smith sister. Oh, he went back to Pittsburgh and then to Kansas city. Like they were just, there was a really good crop of free agent talent and none of them seemed to want to go to Baltimore. And you talked about changing that narrative. You know, if DeAndre Hopkins gets traded there and, you know, whomever the new pass or the the new offensive coordinator would be, if they can, you know, create some magic with uh, Lamar Jackson and DeAndre Hopkins and Rashad Bateman or whomever the quarterback may be, then I think that that will change the narrative around the Ravens and, you know, kind of being a, a receiver purgatory, if you will. Yeah. And I remember when Deuce Smith-Schuster was a free agent the first time when he re-signed with Pittsburgh. Yeah. He went on the Michael Irvin podcast, I think it was, and talked about how you know his top three choices at that point were Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and Baltimore. And I think this was right after he re-signed with Pittsburgh. Yeah. And he was kind of asked, you know, why did you choose Pittsburgh over Baltimore and over Kansas City? And for Baltimore, he said, you know, I, I love Lamar. I would love to play with Lamar, but the offense is pretty much just too run-centric for what he wanted in an offense. So that, that's what I really talk about where, you know, for example, the Ravens last offseason weren't in like Jarvis Landry, for example. That was a name that was linked to Baltimore a little bit. And I kind of talked about how if you're a wide receiver who's, you know, looking for a one-year deal, a prove-it deal to maybe get one last big contract before you retire, are you going to Baltimore where you might get four targets a game in that Greg Roman offense and, you know, two catches a game? Or are you going to New Orleans where Jarvis Landry went or Kansas City or just somewhere else with a much more high-volume pass offense to try to get that? Now, for Landry, it just didn't work all around in New Orleans. But yeah. it's that concept where it was the case that the pass offense in Baltimore under Greg Roman ran through the tight ends, and that's what it was. I mean, Mark Andrews is one of the best in the league. I'm not trying to take away his talent or anything. But I think you, there are better ways to utilize Andrews while also better utilizing the wide receivers you have, such as Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, and whoever you do bring in. So it was that kind of conversation where I don't think this was this was a Lamar issue where people just didn't want to come and play with Lamar. I think it was more of an offensive system, offensive scheme issue where wide receivers are looking at it. And everybody values different things, right? Some people value contracts. Some people value targets. Some people value team winning. Everybody has priorities for the people who wanted to have those hundred catch seasons and thousand yard seasons is a wide receiver that just that just wasn't happening in Baltimore so maybe this is the shift that is needed to be able to have that happen now I mean there's a former former Giants receiver who you know 
slapped a net that will be available. Um, <laughs> do you think that Odell Beckham Jr. could be a target for the Baltimore Ravens? I think it could happen. I think it could, especially with however this next offensive system looks. I know so there are a plethora of teams that are linked. It wasn't just Baltimore. I know Buffalo was probably the one that was linked the most. Yeah. But I think for what the Ravens, it's it's like a, it's a low risk, high reward signing where we know what Beckham is when he's fully on his game and fully healthy. I mean, he's yeah. a star. He's one of the best in the league. So is is he? You know, three years ago, four years ago, Odell Beckham, maybe not. You know, he's had a couple of serious injuries over the course of these last couple of seasons. But that's a veteran guy who, if you bring him in with, like, expectations of we don't know if this is going to pan out. He has the talent. We know that. But if you bring him in as, like, a number three guy, he can give you wide receiver one production. Like, it's it's exactly that. Where I don't think it's going to break the bank to bring in Odell Beckham. I think, you know, won't be a minimum. But it's not going to be this five-year, $100 million contract. It would be more of a prove-it situation where I think if the Ravens, again, it's the same conversation where if you have a new offensive coordinator, which they're going to, the conversation hopefully isn't around, am I going to get more than four targets in this system? It's how can I play with Lamar if, again, if Lamar's the guy, and how do I maximize my game with a talent like that? So I think a lot of it does hinge to Lamar too, where it's something I've talked about. I think Lamar has an impact on – what the Ravens for agency plans are, because I think people do want to play with Lamar. And for me, Calais Campbell's a guy who is, he's looking at retirement right now, potentially. We don't know what he's going to do. Justin Houston, you mentioned a free agent. If I'm one of those guys and I have one more year, do I want to go back to Baltimore with Lamar Jackson? I think that's a pretty good option to win. Like I think that sure. they're going to be contenders with Lamar, but if it's not Lamar, if it's a rookie, if it's a, if it's a bridge mid tier guy, is that the best option for them if they have one more season? Do they want to go maybe then to a Kansas City or a Philadelphia or a Buffalo or one of those teams where you know, hey, there's Josh Allen over there. There's Mahomes over there. There's Hurts over there. So I think what, what happens with Lamar has a big impact on what they do in free agency just because of guys wanting to come or not wanting to come to Baltimore. I promise I'll only play devil's advocate here. I'm not going to make you talk at length about this because you've probably done it too much already. Um, do you think that a deal gets done and that Lamar's back in 2023? I, I still think so. I'm, I'm still holding out hope. I, I'd say my optimism is a little less than what it was maybe a couple months ago. Sure. But, you know, we, we've heard Mark Andrews go on a bunch of shows this week for Super yeah. Bowl Media. We can talk about how, you know, Lamar's told him he, he wants to be a Raven and how he's Raven for life. Mark Andrews even offered to give up his paycheck. So maybe, yeah, maybe he'll do that. <laughs> but I just think, obviously, Lamar gives you the most realistic shot to win now if you're the Ravens. I mean... The, the Chiefs aren't trading Patrick Mahomes. He's not walking through that door. <laughs> there are all types of conversations. You know, if you think Joe Burrow is better than Lamar, Eagles aren't moving him. Jalen Hurts, Eagles aren't moving him. So Lamar, he's a franchise quarterback, whether it's for the Ravens or for somebody else. You want to see the playoff success be a little better. I, I get that. I understand that. The deep ball accuracy, it, it, it dropped off this year. He missed a couple of wide open touchdowns in the Cincinnati game. I think it was like two and three plays. But he's he's still a polarizing player. His, I think his throwing is still underappreciated to this day in terms of what he can do there. And I think he deserves whatever contract he is going to get. But I think this is what this is what you have now. It's almost like that that family guy mystery box thing I talk about where it's like Peter in the boat, if you've seen that, where he has the option to get the a boat. Boat's a boat, but a mystery box can <laughs> right. be anything. It could even be a boat. Exactly. You know, you can have Lamar Jackson. You know what Lamar Jackson is. Or right. you can take a swing on a rookie quarterback that could be Lamar Jackson. And by the way, there's, there's only one Lamar Jackson. You're not – there's not – like he's sure. such a unique player in himself. So – I think with the roster the Ravens have built, the defense played really, really well, especially over the back half of 2022. It turned into one of the best in the league. 
You're you're a piece or two away, it feels like. And the thing is, again, the franchise tag situation, again, that is the cap hit. If you sign Lamar to the non-exclusive and he agrees to play on it, that's $32 million, one year fully guaranteed on the books. If it's the exclusive, that jumps to $45 million, one year on the books. The Ravens have like $27, $28 million in cap space right now. If you if you sign Lamar to a $45 million one-year deal, kind of hinders. But yeah. if it's the extension, you can make that first-year cap it. 10 million, 12 million, 15 million, and then you can backload it to make the later years massively big hits. But you kind of deal with that when you get there, and the, the cap is a myth and everything, so you, you can kind of do what you want with it. So I personally think I, I will still say I think Lamar will come back. Obviously, nothing set in stone. There, there, there's been so little information put out on about it by the organization and by Lamar Jackson. I mean, Marquise Brown trade in the 2022 draft, no, literally nobody knew. Like I was doing, I was doing a hit on, on our draft show on Locked On, and you know, I, it was Kyle Hamilton, and the Ravens traded him like thirty seconds after they took Kyle Hamilton. And I didn't know because I was doing that that show, and they say, "All right, we'll see you again." And like, it picked twenty five. I'm like, "What do you mean pick twenty five? They don't have another first round pick." <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And they're like, "Oh, they just traded Marquise Brown." I'm like, "They did what? <laughs> like, what, what are you talking about?" So they want to keep this situation tight lipped. We'll see what happens, but. If I have to do an official prediction, I, I will still say he he comes back to Baltimore and, and the situation works out. We'll continue this conversation. Just one real quick question. What's a bigger bigger swindle? Um, the Ravens getting a first-round pick for Marquise Brown or the Steelers getting basically a first-round pick for Chase Claypool? Oh, Claypool. 100% Claypool. <laughs> I, I was... When that trade happened, it was the same thing where I wasn't doing radio thing, but we were just we were just I was just talking with people and I'm like, there's no way this is the Bears pick. Like it's the it's the pick they got from the Ravens and the Roquan deal. Because it kinda had it had kind of it had a connection to Baltimore if yeah. that was the case. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you know, Claypool, it makes sense. Second rounder for second rounder, like the Ravens pick will be mid to late. Okay, that's whatever. But then it's the Bears pick, which you're right. It's, it's essentially a first rounder this year for yep. a guy, and he didn't what he, he didn't even do anything in Chicago. He had like, he had one game against Philadelphia in 2020 where he had four touchdowns and dot 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 for yeah. for the rest. Yeah. So um, I think I think the Brown trade will be looked back on. I mean, the Ravens picked a guy at 25, and then three years later trade him for 25, and you know they take a center with it. So I I think that was a fine deal for Baltimore, but that that Claypool trade. It, it's it'll it's gonna help the Steelers. I mean, I don't think it helped the Bears whatsoever. The uh, the Steelers drafted Claypool. I think it was at forty six, and then got thirty two for him <laughs> when he did not have thirty two production. I can promise you that. Um, goodness gracious! All right. Um. So let's say that a that Lamar is moved. Um. Do you think that they go? You know, the veteran quarterback route. Do you think that they'll maybe try to get a Jimmy Garoppolo with Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers? question mark maybe <laughs> well can we start that can we start the aaron Rodgers oh, to man. baltimore conversation i don't think it's gonna happen i think it, i think it would be a rookie if they were i think that whoever they trade with and you know there, there are a bunch of quarterbacks that are probably going to go in the first round this year yeah. i don't think if, if the pick is high enough maybe you could take a brace young or cj stroud i don't think it will be that high maybe it is i mean maybe a team really wants lamar gives them that pick but maybe it's an Anthony Richardson. Maybe it is a Will Levis, one of those guys. But with the Ravens, they like to invest on the defensive side of the ball, especially in their secondary. That just is what it is. They gave Marlon Humphrey an $100 million contract, Marcus Williams, $70 million, Marcus Peters, before you know he's a free agent now, but he did sign a three-year $44 million deal. They invest in that defense. I mean, they just they just gave Roquan Smith $100 million. $100 million so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly the, the point of everything where – 
you pay a little more, you move into, all right, now we're investing all this money on the offensive side of the ball. And it will hinder the ability for the team to build. Because, you know, for all these quarterbacks, you know, it's, it's essential to build on their rookie deals and make right. sure you can build the best team around those guys during that frame. So when you got to pay them like a Fashion Mahomes or a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson or anybody in this, what, what Joe Burrow's going to get, and Jalen Hurts, et cetera, it, it, you maximize that window. I don't think the Ravens maximized that window enough during Lamar Jackson's tenure. I mean, they tried, but they just didn't do enough, I think, wide receiver. There's, there's only so much that, you know, Sammy Watkins can do. Exactly. 36-year-old Deshaun Jackson. It's like, it's 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 those types of guys. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because the Ravens haven't been faced with a contract like this ever, like ever in their franchise history. The closest you can get is Joe Flacco after he won the Super Bowl. That contract, I think, was warranted. The mistake for them that year, or not that year, but just over Flacco's tenure, was the 2016 extension after mm. the first one, which he he was already kind of a shell of himself at that point. They gave him three more years, and it was just, it just was not worth it whatsoever. So in this situation, the Ravens, given Lamar, let's just, you know, 200 million, 250, 300, and how much of that is guaranteed is another different question. You're not going to be able to build as much maybe on defense as you want to. So if you essentially reset with a Richardson or a Levis or whoever it is, then you still have the option to stick with spending on defense. You can still bring in a top flight wide receiver if you want to and have more options there. But it's just a matter of where the Ravens want to go because, again, the Ravens have been in quarterback mediocrity for so many years before Lamar. I mean, you can go back years. And, I mean, the Bullies of Baltimore came out, and you can talk about Tony Banks and Trent Dilfer. (laughs) They won a Super Bowl with those guys. (laughs) Like They've had those. I mean, when Flacco went down with with an ACL injury, it was – Ryan Mallett and Jimmy Clausen and like some oh, of those. Oh, dude, like, I remember the Ryan Mallett Steeler game. Don't <laughs> don't talk about Ryan. And those, those are still those are still legendary in the Ravens community, <laughs> by the way. Because <laughs> everyone's like, "There's no way Ryan Mallett's beating the Steelers." And they're like, "Oh my uh, god!" That that is one of the more like, "Are you effing kidding me?" Games of my life. Oh my <laughs> goodness gracious! Yeah, no, there are so many like bowler for you know a few years um steve mcnair for th- those couple years yeah, or the one yeah. season that was that was a fun little all right you know uh, we're tired of kyle bowler steve mcnair oh man it's it, it's almost like you you don't know you know you don't know if one of these guys is going to turn into the next passion mahomes if you're going to have yeah. a zach wilson situation on your hands if you have to say it doesn't matter whether you have to have the right fit and that's why i think it's worked so well with lamar because the ravens the second they drafted him committed to building an offense around him, which I think is what any organization should do with a guy they take. But they committed. They, you know, they they kind of changed everything. I mean, Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, you, you talk about like two opposites. Right, like, right. It, it's, you talk about Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson. So when <laughs> Lamar had to come in and kind of run an offense built for Joe Flacco in 2018 and still went 6-1 and one and still led the rate. I mean, he pretty much saved John Harbaugh's job that season. Right. I think that for what the Ravens have, you can reset with a rookie guy and you can have spending money, but if the rookie guy isn't the guy, then you're, you're kind of back to square one. And maybe Lamar's flourishing with the jets or the Falcons or whoever trade. Cause if they let him walk in for agency, I would be floored. It, it would be tagging. I, I don't think that there is a world where they do let him walk in no. free agency. I think if he's gone, it's going to be a tag and trade situation where they trade him for three first round picks, a couple seconds and a few players. Yeah. Like it's gonna be a king's ransom on whoever does get him, assuming that that does happen. Um, but I'm just I'm I'm excited for the Aaron Rodgers and Chris Godwin to Baltimore. Uh, 
start for the, for those conversations to start. It's going to be great. Um, we can talk about the Super Bowl a little bit uh, in a minute. I do want to talk about the AFC North as a whole, though. Um, Steelers, everybody on Steelers Twitter will tell you that either Kenny Pickett is the second coming or that Kenny Pickett is the worst thing to ever happen. Um, I, I wasn't a fan of the pick when it happened. Um, there was clear progression, though, in the last month of the season. They bring back Matt Canada for reasons only known to God and Mike Tomlin. Um Trent or TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, they'll be back. Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, still very good. This is a Steelers team that I'm never going to bet on them going less than 500 because they're at three and seven at this point. Uh, you know, ten games through the year, they play. Granted, a bunch of bad teams, but still, um, I'm not betting against Mike Tomlin. Uh, your thoughts on on the Steelers way in, the, in this way, way, way too early form of off season, but uh. <laughs> Your thoughts on Pittsburgh uh, as we head into February and then March in free agency? Yeah, I think Pittsburgh has a lot of promise and potential. I think I agree. Kenny Pickett showed that promise over the back half of the season. I mean, the Baltimore game, he had that beautiful touchdown at Najee Harris to win the game for them, which I thought was kind of like a coming moment for him where it's like, all right, he's here. He's like, you know, entering now, I think, a full off season. He can kind of hone his game a little more. I think he has potential for a really, really good season next year. And then obviously I think there's been a lot of controversy, I think, too, with Najee Harris in terms of is he is he the guy or not? Right, <laughs> like, right. It, it's interesting because I still think he's uber talented. The offensive line for Pittsburgh, I know, has been a key conversation point in sure, maybe not the yeah. best ways. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that's an area for him that I think needs to get a little better. But I think for what the defense is, you, the, the defense is just so good. And I know that there, there are so many play like you know you have the star power and that's what you need first of all with Watt and Fitzpatrick and all those guys but then it's the depth pieces around them I mean it's about being able to you know what are they going to do inside linebacker wise that that's a that's a big one and then Leighton Van Der Esch, come on home yeah, right. <laughs> and then I think that, the draft, that, too, the draft by the way that's how that's how not good inside linebackers have been in, for Pittsburgh the last couple of years it's been you know, Devin Bush off the injury, who hasn't been the same since. They traded for Joe Schobert last year, and that didn't go well. They're bringing another former Jaguar, Miles Jack, who played fine, but I don't see them bringing him back. They can save money if they get rid of him, and he didn't necessarily live up to bringing back. So, yeah, Leighton Van Der Esch, come on, huh? <laughs> Man, that, that, that'd that be that'd be a solid get for him. But then the, the draft, too, you got two first-rounders, essentially. Yeah, and yeah other opportunities to improve your roster there. So I don't know, as, as a Ravens guy, I say maybe you uh you maybe bring back Alejandro Villanueva for, for an offensive tackle. Oh spot. man, yeah. That you know that's where Steelers fans and Ravens fans can meet and be like, yeah, Al Villanueva, not it, man. It was it, Villanueva was interesting and well obviously it was not good, but they brought <laughs> him in they brought him in to play right tackle. So they were trying to flip him over from left tackle which he pretty much played his entire career yeah and then stanley the pro bowler one year left yeah tackle. yeah exactly and then stanley goes down again and so they say you know what we're flipping you back over you're playing left tackle so he was flip-flopping all over the offensive line there were so many combinations but it it was it was not good and they signed him i think to a two-year deal he retired in the 2022 offseason i don't think wow. they, they were going to cut him i think so i'm glad stanley came back i'm glad the villanueva thing just lasted one year for him it uh it didn't work out but i mean a former raven in pittsburgh is chris warmly who's who did i, yeah. remember, I remember the first time we talked jared it was wait chris warmly has seven sacks this year like what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about I, I didn't know i looked it up and i'm like wait 
there's no way this is true so he, yeah that was thing. when they were just plugging and playing like a bunch of different guys because they had a ton of injuries that's uh was last year when two was gone and then he eventually announced that he was retiring from football um and cam hayward was dealing with an injury and yeah chris wormley i think they traded a sixth round pick for him last year yeah, and hey it, right. it paid off um so yeah man um it'll be interesting to see if they can bring back a guy like terrell edmonds who came back on another prove it prove it deal this year it was a one-year deal he's going to be a free agent again there's some talks amongst the uh Steelers Twitter community about having both Edmonds brothers on the defense that would be lovely I don't know I mean they they have the benefit of having a quarterback on a rookie contract but they have two expensive guys in Minka and TJ Watt so Tremaine Edmonds isn't going to be cheap that will be uh, I'm, I'm here for it don't get me wrong but uh that'll be that'll be interesting to pay attention to um Deontay Johnson he is a a topic of conversation as well uh zero touchdowns he had the same number of touchdowns as you and I Kevin Ostriker this season <laughs> um I think that George Pickens is if he hasn't already is, is very close to kind of taking his spot as the top receiver in that offense um the thing that kind of prohibits them from moving on from him is not necessarily the deal that they just gave him because it's not like a very very long deal um and it's not for i don't think that they would suffer a ton of dead money and have to pull it up to look it's just the fact that they don't necessarily have a ton of depth behind them you know it's miles boykin um uh, calvin austin who didn't play at all last season because of an injury sus sustained in camp so um I, I don't think i would be very shocked if deontay johnson is a stealer beyond 2023 yeah it, it, i think for pickens for just going on that conversation man uh, Steelers and finding these wideouts in the draft yeah man <laughs> Uh, incredible my I mean, favorite thing in the world just knowing that all right i'm gonna draft a receiver he's gonna be probably good for at least a minute like claypool had a four touchdown game and then kind of tailed off yeah, but yeah. pickens looks like the real deal i mean the thing and I, I this will probably make the steelers listeners pretty happy is the fact that raven's twitter was in love and i i too was in love with george pickens <laughs> and i was like if this guy's available like in the second round you and I to be fair I thought David Ajabo was going to be taken like early early second like in the 30s yeah. so I was fine with the Ajabo pick like I am totally okay with that decision but Pickens is going to be a star and so many Ravens fans were so upset when the Steelers of all teams were the team that got him because it's like here we go we just got done with the prime Antonio Brown and have the, the mm. other stuff and everybody remembers that Christmas reach over the goal line and over the three Ravens and we're like, all right, we, we got rid of Antonio Brown. He's no, no longer prime Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown. And you bring in George Pickens, who's like mossing Marlon Humphrey in his first ever game against them. It's just like, man, can this team get a break in terms of playing these Pittsburgh number one guys? Yeah, that was a, uh, it, here's the thing. Even, even if you keep the Mitch Trubisky three, like duck interceptions, if Chris Boswell doesn't have a field goal blocked, I mean, there's a good chance that the Steelers win that game regardless of that. So that was a very big turning point uh, for the Steelers season as they were kind of in that midst of winning games and then they lose one and then they won a couple. It was, that was an important game for their season. Um, the Cleveland Browns um, and the headlines a lot last year for obvious reasons. You know, the big trade for Deshaun Watson, which Baltimore and Air DaCosta are looking at the sky, screaming, asking God why that that happened, because now it's impacting how they are going to pay their quarterback. Uh, he comes back, obviously, didn't look like the Deshaun Watson of old. I mean, he hasn't played he hadn't played football at that point for almost a year and a half. Um, some shades of former of his former self uh, in, in the Washington game and in the final weeks of the season. But it's a big if right now for Cleveland, like 
is Deshaun Watson going to be even close to being what he used to be? And then if not, what's this team going to look like? I don't know. I like right now. I think that I like Pittsburgh more than I like Cleveland uh, in terms of where the AC North could shake up as it, as it stands right now. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned not betting against Mike Tomlin. I mean, based off of history, well, yeah. based off of history for the Browns, it's never bet on the Browns. Ex- apparently. Exactly. <laughs> and it's crazy because I do, I like their roster. I think their roster is very talented, but they just they just year. can't put it together. It seems like where we we can go back a couple of years when they got Odell and Jarvis, and and it was they were the offseason champs. They won the Super Bowl, like, and then they just were terrible. And, and Freddie Kitchens happened. Ex- exactly. So I think it's gonna be interesting. There was drama there with Jadavian Clowney last year, where he thought that they weren't maximizing him right. Yeah. Uh, Kareem Hunt in that situation, where you thought it was gonna be the one-two punch again with those two yeah. guys, and Hunt was pretty much invisible for most of the season. Sure. And their defense just was a, it was a unit that I thought was gonna be really good. I mean, they have Denzel Ward, and they had John Johnson on the second year of his deal, and they have the Garrett and Clowney duo. Defensive, like the interior, has been a pretty big issue for them for a lot of years now. But then they have JOK, who's been great yeah. for them. And it felt like it, this was the year for them to be like a top 10 defensive team. And they were just terrible. So obviously they move on from Joe Woods. They bring in Jim Schwartz. We'll see how that ends up going for them. I just, I can't, I can't bet on them anymore. You know, I, I had them finishing like second one year and then I had them finish third. I just, I, li- I think I like Pittsburgh better just because Pittsburgh's shown it to me. You know, where even when everybody called them, you know, once Ben retired, it was, they're going to be a four-win team. They're going to be a six-win team. Mike Tomlin still pulls the impossible out of nowhere and has them in contention. So for Cleveland, it's kind of the opposite where you think, all right, their roster is good enough this year. They bring in Deshaun Watson, who obviously – it was a weird year for them anyway. He Watson misses like two-thirds of the year. So maybe an offseason gets him back. And and I think Amari Cooper was a great addition for him. He played – I mean, they got him for a fifth rounder. It was a steal for what they absurd, got him. Absurd. Absurd that they got him for practically nothing. It, it was it was, it was was insane. Donovan Peoples-Jones and obviously Nick Chubb. And their offensive line has players on it too, although I know there's some inconsistencies. But I just – they need to show me something before I can say, yeah, you know what, I, I can trust Cleveland because they people haven't been able to trust them for, you know, 10, 20-plus years now. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned all the guys on the defense. Like Denzel Ward, very good player, had a down year. Greedy Williams had a down year. Um, it seemed like anybody not named Miles Garrett was just very, very up and down. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, if you're Cleveland and you go like eight and nine this year, is this the last year for Kevin Stefanski? Uh, probably. I, I'd probably. It was. It's almost like what the Bengals almost went through with Zach Taylor before he made the Super Bowl, where I think if there wasn't that Super Bowl run for Taylor, there would have been real conversations of moving on from him pretty early. And I know Stefanski's been there for a while now. I mean, I like what – I think Stefanski's not a terrible head coach. I think he's not not a bad one. I I don't think Andrew Berry's a bad GM either. I know we talked to Cleveland fans. Maybe they disagree and have very passionate opinions. But I think they've built something there in Cleveland. Obviously, you know – they they went all in. They essentially sold their soul for Deshaun Watson. So giving him that money, I mean, he has the top cap hit in the league for a quarterback this year, $54 million, and they don't have first-round picks on top of it. So they kind of have to do with what they have right now, and if it doesn't work, they, they took a gamble and it didn't pay off for them, and then that's kind of the bottom line. Cincinnati Bengals, obviously, 
two consecutive AFC Championship games, one Super Bowl appearance. They were a minute and a half away from winning the Super Bowl. Um, now we're hearing rumors. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Are they going to trade T. Higgins? Um, which, I mean, you can kind of see both sides of that. You know, it, it's hard to justify eventually having to pay two receivers a ton of money because they will have to pay Jamar Chase eventually. Um, so having two receivers on the books for north of $20 million a piece, that's, that's hard to justify no matter how good that they are. So you can either, you know, trade T Higgins for something now, or you can, you know, let it play out as last year, run it back, try to get a ring while he's there. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Luana Rumo, a finalist for the Arizona Cardinals job. I think that that would be a ginormous loss if he does indeed take it, uh, or if he's offered the job. But still, man, they, they got nine, and that is a, a large factor in, in their success. Um, you know, he'd said it himself, hey, the window is my career, and I believe him. Um, regardless of the Higgins situation, and now we've got to figure out what's going to happen with Joe Mixon after just another just boneheaded bad decision by Joe Mixon. Um but regardless, I think that Cincinnati is still, you know, going forward, going to be kind of the talk of the division. I think that they're going to be the consensus favorite in the division, uh, regardless of what happens, barring anything like ginormous from any other teams. But uh, and rightfully so. I mean, they've won the division in consecutive years and they're kind of the uh, the king of that castle right now. Yeah, you got to give them their flowers for what they've been able to do. And I think you're right, even if. There's no T. Higgins next year, which is a pretty big blow. I mean, I know the Jesse Bates conversation is another one where they just don't seem to want to pay him. Yeah. And he's he deserves to be paid, and I think he's going to get paid elsewhere. I think that the Bengals are just a historically cheap team, and Mike Brown is just a historically cheap owner. And I that, that I think if you ask Bengals, you know, people who are involved with the organization or you know people who cover it, even fans, that's probably where where they go and say they just they just don't want to pay him because they want to save money, which. Hey, th- there's a reason that they accepted a sponsorship for their stadium after yeah. forever of doing. They needed money. Yeah. So I think that whole conference, but you're right. They, Lou and Arumo, they could lose him. They could lose both coordinators. Brian Callahan's yep. in the mix yep. for the, the Colts job, which if they were to lose both coordinators, and I think both guys are deserving of at least at least consideration for sure. these jobs. And I know now there's the rumors of their quarterback coach getting interviewed for an offensive coordinator spot. So they could lose a bunch of their guys. Now, I don't think that puts them out of contention. Like, no. I still think with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, and and I think they did show flashes on defense this year. Trey Hendrickson has paid off super well for them, and I think there was a lot of controversy over that decision. I mean, Mike Hilton's one of the best slot corners in the league. He, he's my favorite slot corner in the league, actually, even back Yeah, I miss, I miss Mike Hilton. I miss Mike yeah. Hilton a lot. Yeah, going back to his Pittsburgh days, I'm like, man, I'd like Mike Hilton in Baltimore. And then he went to another AFC North team. And I'm like, Come yeah. on, got to play him twice, both times. But I think you're right. They are going to be the favorites in, in the division, rightfully so. Joe Burrow's proven that he is that guy. Jamar Chase is proven that he is that guy. And I, there are questions about their offensive line. I know Lyle Collins suffered that injury to an ACL, which – left to come back from maybe he's back for the beginning of the year maybe it takes him till mid-season yeah. but they they have big decisions to make on t higgins and on jesse bates and just figuring out what's going on with their offensive and defensive coordinators but again i don't think that's like oh well if they lose all those guys they're going to finish like a three-win team they're still sure. going to be good yeah. they're, they're still going to i think be the favorites in what i think is going to be a pretty talented ac north for a pretty long time now i think it's going to be very like if everybody's at their best next season we could see 
we said this about the AFC West last year, and there's, and there's always going to be that like one redheaded stepchild team. It was Denver in the AFC West and Vegas to an extent, but you know they didn't fall flat on their face as hard as the Broncos did. But if all are at their best, I mean, we could see you know fourth place finish at like eight and nine, uh, and be in the mix uh, up until the very end. Similar to the uh, I shouldn't say similar to the NFC South, but how everybody's still in the mix, but for much better reasons uh, in the AFC North. Yeah, I, I am ashamed for how much I talked about the AFC West last offseason. I was I like, everybody is, Kev. <laughs> I was like, this is the best division like in football. Like, there's going to be three playoff teams. Everybody's going to win 10 games and the rest be damned. And then the crazy part was everybody was like, well, the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill and they're going to like – you know, it's going to be Denver. It's going to be Los Angeles. And then the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl right now. <laughs> it's like, well, this, and it was such a weird year in the NFL where it seemed like two win teams were beating 10 win teams and yeah. like there was no consistency. And then now at the end of it, the, the two number one seeds are in the Super Bowl. And we're like, well, all right, <laughs> it's, like, it's what it should be. So, and it's crazy because for the Chiefs, I don't know, it's kind of getting off topic a little bit. For what Cincinnati, Cincinnati, you mentioned they were like a minute and a half away from another Super Bowl. They probably, if, if that penalty doesn't happen, they probably win the AFC Championship game because the Chiefs had nothing left on offense mm-hmm. because they were down to three wide receivers. All their guys were hurt. And then... He got hurt in the game as well, so I'm yeah. really getting a little bit thin on that side of the ball. So it just felt, you know, maybe Boswell hits a 50-some yarder, but that penalty... And, and Joseph Osai played well in that game. Like, it, it was one mistake. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was you know, unfortunate for him. But Cincinnati, I say if, if that penalty doesn't happen, Cincinnati probably takes it. Oh. Have we lost Kevin Ostriker? I might have to shoot Kevin a text. Oh, are you oh, back? Am I back? I think so. Okay, okay. I'm back. I'm back. Okay, well, good. okay, regardless... I think that Cincinnati was close both times and now they have to face these decisions in terms of, are they going to have their, they have two number ones in Cincinnati right now. So it's like, are they going to have T Higgins? Are they going to have Jesse Bates? It's tough, but they've been close both times. And I think a lot of that has to do with what Joe Burrow has has been capable of over the course of his career so far. I mean, if you're Cincinnati, you just kind of go like balls to the wall in the draft and like maybe in the second round, take another receiver. Like if Josh Downs from North Carolina or if Zay Flowers from Boston College is there, you know what? Yeah, fuck it. Get him. <laughs> Why not? And that, if, if they keep Boyd and they keep Higgins yeah. and they add another, they have four, like who do you put on the field? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, all right, we've got five guys. Good luck. Yeah, right. it, it, would, it would be crazy. And I mean, that's like, that's like the dream for what Baltimore could do, where it's like, if you can have a number one wide out and Bateman and Duvernay, maybe somebody else. And then you also have Mark Andrews. Yeah. Plus you have the running game and hopefully Lamar. I mean, it's like, who are you, who are you, who are you defending? Who are you putting your guys on? Because Andrews is single coverage. Andrews destroys single coverage. And Bateman has shown flashes. Plus you, let's just say it's DeAndre Hopkins. It's, it's those where you can never have enough weapons in the NFL nowadays. Like you just sure. have to continue stacking and stacking and stacking. And so if Cincinnati was able to add like four, essentially like either one or two, because I think Tyler Boyd's a two on a lot of teams. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. I think Tyler Boyd is amongst like the five most underrated players in the NFL. Oh yeah. So if you have like two number ones and two number twos on Cincinnati with Joe Burrow, it's like, man, who <laughs> you need to have like four star corners and, you know, yeah. bring bring safety help for the, you can only bring so much help. So that, that, that'd be scary. That'd be scary. 
Let's play a little bit of quarterback carousel. Um, in terms of these big names that'll be on the market or free agents, you got Garoppolo, you got Derek Carr. Um, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, is going to be in the mix there as well. Uh, if you had to guess right now on one of them or all of them uh, on like slam your fist on the table is like, I think this guy's going to go here. Is there one that, that you have in mind? I, I think Derek Carter, the saints probably is one that's gotten a lot of speculation. It feels I hate like that move. If it does happen, I'm I don't think it moves a needle enough for him, but like, I like Derek Carr. I just don't, I just don't think the saints are like, if I'm Derek Carr, I'm not intrigued in the saints. Yeah, I don't, it's not going to take, I think that what the rumor is like a third rounder, it's going to take to get him. Yeah. So it's not like a massive investment, like pick wise, but you know, do you just want to bite the bullet if you're the Saints and say, you know, and I think that the trade that they did, it was a very weird trade to happen in the off season. They did between Philly and them where they essentially yeah. swapped the first rounders. They got Trevor Penning out of it. I think it was, or maybe it was the Alave. It was one of them, but they got, either Alave or Penning, and then now the Eagles have like a top 10 pick, and it's like, oh, well. Yep. <laughs> and then they, they got it back in the Peyton trade, but it's not nearly as good. So no. I think that's one where that's my prediction for Carr. I think Rodgers to the Jets, it just has so much smoke right now. That seems to make the most sense. Like last year, the entire thing was, okay, Nathaniel Hackett is a Bronco. Aaron Rodgers <laughs> will be a Bronco. And now exactly. it's, all right, Nathaniel Hackett is with the Jets. Aaron Rodgers is going to the Jets. <laughs> Second time to charm with that. Yeah. Um, so no, no, no. Aaron Rodgers, the Baltimore train here. Unfortunately. I mean, I'm down for the chaos of that. I'm, uh, it, I'm, oh, I'm it would be it. chaos. Oh, that it, it would be chaos. And then Jimmy G, maybe. That feels like Tampa Bay to me. Tampa or maybe Las Vegas. Uh, maybe one of those two. It, it could be. T- I think. Th- I feel like Tampa's not going to go the Kyle Trask route. I just don't feel Ab- like. Absolutely that. not. No. It, it no. feels like they want to get a bridge guy and. If there was one, Jimmy G probably makes the most sense. But I could see Vegas if, you know, once Carr leaves and they're like, yeah, we want to get pretty much Derek Carr back. And then they <laughs> get him again. Um, the thing with Vegas and Mike Tanier, Football Outsiders, made a really good point is that they are like Mark Davis is one of like the more like cash poor owners in the league. Like he's still paying John Gruden. They like, it's not to say that he's hurting for money necessarily, but in terms of like NFL ownership speaking, like he's, I, I just don't see them getting a big name quarterback where like everybody's talking about Devontae Adams recruiting Aaron Rodgers. I don't see a world where Mark Davis coughs up $60 million that will be owed to Aaron Rodgers and make a move for him. And plus the dynamic that would be there with Josh McDaniels and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that that would work whatsoever. Um, I don't know how you feel about Josh McDaniels. I'm not necessarily a fan. Um, but I, I just don't see Vegas landing one of these guys, wh- whether it be Rogers, um, if you want to, you know, have Garoppolo in that conversation going there as well. I don't think that they're, I think that their, their plan was Tom Brady. I think they're like, all right, Tom's a free agent. Let's go get him. And then they saw that beach video and they were like, shit, what now? <laughs> um, so I, I don't think, I think that like a guy like Baker Mayfield could be the, the, the eventual signing in Vegas. Um, I, I don't see them getting, you know, an expensive big name quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. That, that's a good point. Maybe like they swing on Zach Wilson or something. If Rodgers would that be hilarious? I I found Devontae <laughs> Adams. I'm saying, what am I still doing here? <laughs> yeah, I spent the last month recruiting Aaron Rodgers, and you give me the guy who likes Aaron Rodgers. That's. <laughs> 
I don't know, man. That's that's going to be uh, it'll be a fun. That's always fun when you got quarterbacks to talk about. Um, as long as it's not yours, I suppose. Uh, I'm sure that that's not too fun right now for you. Um, <laughs> so so it's, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, recycling and uh, making the same points until something. Yeah. Happens. Yes. There, it's it's all specul like you know the the Fowler report that came out. Yeah. About that and then I think Albert Breer talked about Lamar today. And it's all speculation at this point where we don't really know what's going on. And for a lot of these guys, we don't really know what's going on until it happens. You know, maybe there's a report here or there that's accurate, but we yeah. kind of just have to wait and see. Jeremy Fowler is extremely tall in person. I don't know if you've met Jeremy Fowler, but he is he's looming. I'm also not a very tall guy, so he towered over me. <laughs> um, I'm not tall either. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Super Bowl. We'll get into that and then we'll get on out of here. Um, I've been going back and forth all week. I'm horrified to bet on this game. Um, I think I'm leaning Chiefs just because, like, in my head, I can see like all of the like Patrick Mahomes legacy tweets and all the Instagram posts of like, is Patrick Mahomes not the greatest quarterback? But like, I can just see it in my head. Um, and plus, this is their third Super Bowl appearance in like five seasons. They have the experience over a Nick Sirianni led team who he's never. You know, this is a core of guys who have never been to the Super Bowl together. This is their first one. Um, and I think that that stability, that continuity, it, it's not nothing. Um, and that's not to say also, you know, the Chiefs are a pretty good team. <laughs> They've got guys. Um, so uh, I think I'm leaning Chiefs. Would it surprise me if the Eagles won? No. I think the Eagles are actually favored last time I checked. Um, uh, what way? Where, where are you leaning in this? Yeah, I, I could go either. I mean, if I had to pick... Maybe I'm picking the Eagles by three or something, but you're right where the chiefs have been there. They've done that. They have the experience. That's not nothing, you know, cause I think for an Eagles team that is inexperienced in this regard, they're kind of going through it all right now. And also I think there, there are a lot of people questioning the competition they faced over the course of these playoffs where it Which was kind of fair. It was, you know, it, it wasn't great. No, no. <laughs> it was Daniel Jones. And then, one arm Brock Purdy pretty much and this so now you got to go play passion Mahomes you know ankle injury and all but that's not going to slow him down in the Super Bowl I don't think he's still maybe a tiny mobility but it's not going to impact him enough and I know they're, they're down Nicole Harbin now because he's on IR but mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see I mean I, I, I I'm kind of like flip-flop for you where I, I like barely have the Eagles but if the Chiefs won like I'm not shocked whatsoever it's just two super talented teams I mean the Eagles I just give them the edge because their defense is so good where I think there are questions about the Chiefs defense Chris Jones is Chris Jones like dominant all around but you know can they hold up against AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Hurts in the run game with Miles Sanders and all that so I think either way I think it's going to be a good game regardless of who wins you know the halftime show i think is gonna be good <laughs> it's gonna be i was i was there in 2013 when it was Beyonce. i think rihanna has hits i think rihanna has hits <laughs> i do you know ponder replay and sos like all those all those are good and i was in 2013 with beyonce when when she did uh she had sneeze shout out for the ravens and 49ers super bowl i i'm biased in saying that's the greatest super bowl halftime show of all time but th- there are a couple there are a couple that i think could could be in that running how old are you, Kevin Ostriker, if you don't mind me asking? I just turned 25. Okay, cool. We're about the same age. Then. I just turned 24. All right. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Oh, I'm 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 praying for a day that we get like a, a pop punk or a metal band to do a halftime show for a Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath on it ever happening. I don't know what music you're really into. Um if that's your scene. But if we if it is and we band together, we can make it happen. <laughs> 
I don't. I wonder what the ratings would be for that. Like, I just it's something has never happened. So I don't hockey, know. Hockey, hockey leans into it pretty hard, and I mean, I think hockey's just kind of like uh, Aaron, Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders on the latest episode of the Football Outsiders podcast made the most hilarious point ever. He's talking about like um, Boston sports fans and like. All right, Bruins fans, it's such a weird group because like every hockey city, there's like 75,000 of them, but they're all season ticket holders. And that made me laugh so hard. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that when you have like a niche like hockey, um, it's easier to do something like that. Um, I wonder, like the Rolling Stones did a halftime show. Why not have Motionless and White do a, a, <laughs> a halftime show? Oh, man, that, it'd be something. I, I, I'd be interested to see what it would be like. As would I. Kevin, it's good talking to you, buddy. Uh, anything you'd like to plug before you get out of here? Uh, yeah, no, I appreciate you having me, Jared. It's uh, I'm host and produce Locked On Ravens. We are five days a week over there. Even in, even in the offseason, it's a lot of Lamar Jackson talking, you know, offensive coordinator talk right now. But you can find me over there on YouTube. You can subscribe over there. And, and also, it's audio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Also, a managing editor for Ravens Wire. So, Ravens, seven days a week over there. It, for now, it's, you know, Eric Bieniemy talk. Still Lamar Jackson. Still a lot of Lamar Jackson. So it's pretty much locked on Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson wire. But we'll, we'll figure it out, hopefully. And hopefully Lamar's a Raven for a long time. That, that, that's what I'll say about that. Hey, fingers crossed on your end for that. Uh, new mock draft from me, if you're listening to this as a podcast, should be out should be out by now on Bears Wire. So go and check that out. Second one going into the offseason. Going to be cranking these things out until April. So this will be mock draft 2.0. Kevin, good talking to you, buddy. Uh, we'll definitely do this again soon. Hopefully, for your sake, it's after a uh, Lamar Jackson deal gets done. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk later on in the week. It's Pump Fake. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.